Welcome to Pierce the Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 186. Yeah. It's going to be weird when I go 187. Like, that's going to be weird. Yeah. We'll just, we just won't make a big deal about it. Okay. Like, like I just did. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I just was going back to 90s gangster rap mm-hmm. for whatever reason for yeah. a moment. All right. Anyways. Hey. So, this is a reselling podcast if you're new to the podcast. And uh, we talk about leveling up your standard of living. Yeah. That's right. And today, we're going to be talking about everybody's favorite thing to talk about this time of the year, which is Q4. Which we just talked about three weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> but this is different. Yeah, it's different. And the thing is, too, like we, we talk a lot about Q4 and Q4 because it's uh it's the hot topic, right? And it's what we... uh All resellers kind of shift and adjust their their models and what's going on and, and things just change. I mean, it happens in the, in the retail world. It happens in... I mean, it's just a big part of consumer culture is understanding how to capitalize on Q4. And so we want to make sure that we don't miss out on anything and we want to help share some knowledge so that you can... Um, make the most profit possible and not make mistakes during Q4. Yeah. And so the difference between the last episode and this episode is that the last episode about Q4 was about how to prep for Q4. This is about what you do during Q4, right? The actions that you take and I basically titled it, don't leave money on the table this Q4. I felt like like saying something like, you know, clickbaity, like maximize your profits. Yeah. Q4. I'll, I'll change it to clickbait. Don't worry. Okay. All right. Well, I, I thought this will, this will be the official title and then we'll have a clickbait title too. Well, the, the reason being is that you can make a lot of money in Q4 and I've done that and I've also lost a lot of money in Q4. And in the end, I end up the same. Mm. Like, I, you know, I still end up ahead, but, you know, I've shared this before off podcast where sometimes there is one Q4 where I made a ton of money and the next Q4, I made a ton of money, but I lost a lot of money. So I ended up it was like normal. Yeah. And it's one of those things too, where like you can take five steps forward, but then if you have to take three steps back because of mistakes or whatever, you'd have been better off just doing a little bit different tactics, not working so hard and getting two steps forward to start with. Right. So uh, that's what we really want to do. Like we want to make sure that wherever you get at the end of Q4, you're not, you're not looking back and saying, man, this mistake here cost me money or this is going to, you know, which will happen anyways. You're still, there's still going to be mistakes. Yeah. I mean, there, there might be, the thing is, it's unpredictable, but it's going to be, did I say unpredictable? Did I stop saying that full word? I don't know. Anyways, it's, it's been a long day. It's very predictable there you for go. you to be unpredictable. There you go. But hey, Amazon just announced Prime Day on October 13, which is kind of wild that we're having a Prime Day at the beginning of Q4, right? And then we have Black Friday, which isn't a real Black Friday, but online is probably going to be. Then we have Green Cyber Monday. Right. And then we just have all the craziness of the two weeks of December. So the point of this episode is how to maximize the money you're making the entire time without losing a ton of money and actually ending up five steps ahead. Yeah. All right. So I put this first because I've been getting a lot of DMs like Orlando stuff isn't selling. Things are slow. And we we get those a lot. But during Q4, I honestly believe there should be no excuses as to why things aren't selling. Right. But there's some reasons why they may not be selling. Right. And so this is basics. Right. So how is for you, Mike, you know, from when you started reselling two years ago to now, how have some of these things changed, like your pictures, your pricing, your policy, like to give you more sales? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that you you have to have a competitive advantage any way you can. Right. And especially Q4, you're in a place where um, 
your competition is stepping it up. And so if you're not stepping it up too, you're going to be in a bad place. And hopefully these things are things that you implement throughout the entire year, especially things like pictures, mm -hmm. uh, pricing policy, like shipping policy, all of those. Uh, but there's times when you might have to adjust, right? So maybe you're, you're typically are, you know, a uh, two business day because, you know, whatever it is for your shipping and you realize, hey, if all of my competitors selling the same thing, right? If I'm selling some kind of replenishable Lego set that I'm able to pick up at Target, right? If all of my competitors, whether it's, you know, specifically eBay, and I'm going to talk about eBay because that's what I do. If all of my competitors are doing same day shipping and I'm the only one doing even one business day, well, people are going to pick that one, right? Because people are looking for whatever advantage they can get, whether it's shipping, whether it's the price, even if the price is, you know, a couple dollars less, people are looking for those things. Um, even some of those psychological things like we've talked about, like, um, like free shipping, right. And just adding mm -hmm. that in and kind of making those adjustments. So you've got to make sure, and I, I think I've, I've grown a lot. My pictures have gotten better. Um, I, my, my return policy is better. All of those things have definitely increased the number of sales that I'm getting. Um, but you've got to know, even if maybe throughout the year, one or two business days shipping is fine for you, but you realize, Hey, Q4, the being average, isn't going to get me through, right? Because everybody's stepping it up. Everybody's trying to get squeeze every single dollar they can out of their customers. And so you're going to have to do what the competition is doing and hopefully do it better. So you can get that unfair advantage. Yeah. And you know, the pictures is, is an easy, it's not an easy fix, but it's doable, right? Whether it's getting a light box, whether it's, you know, making sure you're taking it at the right time of day, but pictures do matter because during Q4, right? People are, are quickly scrolling through their phone. They're trying to get gifts. And if your picture doesn't stand out, and by the way, if it doesn't have a white background, right? You're not going to end up hiring the Google searches and in the eBay algorithm. That's very key. On top of that, your, your policy and your pricing is huge. So pricing, we've talked about this before. I'll share it one more time. If you have a new item, right? Uh, it's a, it's the hot toy, right? But there's 30 other sellers. You know, the old way, the, the way I do it during the off season is usually I price it high and I'm willing to wait, but during Q4, you don't, because you don't know when that market's going to, you know, change. And so one of the things actually, this came from the resellers collab. They have that podcast, our friend Aaron over there. He had mentioned that when they did Q uh, during, I think it's two Q4s ago, they had listed something just under the price that probably, you know, some of the lower sellers were selling it and they sold, you know, 10 or 20 of them. And then it showed 10 or 20 sold. And then people felt confident buying from that individual. And then eventually they slowly started raising the price and they're able to maximize their profits and have a lot more sales. It's like kind of like having the buy box on eBay almost. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, it's true on eBay. There are things that help you. For example, you may want to have like a flat price, you know, flat, flat uh, not flat price, but a fixed price on there, but on the eBay algorithm, and eBay has mentioned this many times, if you have best offer, it actually pushes you up in the search. Now, if you get annoyed by low best offers, you can set the automatic, like I wanna accept anything above this. And actually, I wish I had done this recently. I lost a sale because somebody had sent me an offer and I don't have it turned on because I, I like haggling with people. And they actually sent out, I think it was like five offers to five different sellers. I was an hour late to it and I lost that sale where if I already had set up to automatically accept, I would have had that sale. Mm. Right. And the other thing with returns, and I know this is this, a lot of people do not like returns, especially when you're a brand new seller. You're like, no, I don't want people stuff, but I'm telling you like, this is industry standard. Even free returns is industry standard. Amazon will not give you a choice. 
<laughs> as to whether you want to accept a return or not. It's just the way business goes. And so you may lose money with returns, but you'll gain far more because people want to feel confident. One of the messages I send all the time when people don't feel confident about what they're buying from me, say, hey, by the way, I have free returns. If you're not happy with your item, I will fully refund you plus the shipping. And I consistently send that out. And it always, not always, 99% of the time converts to a sale, right? So this is about Q4. I'm not talking about the other three quarters, but in Q4, you got to separate yourself from the competition. And the other one, this is the one that also gets tricky with Amazon, is I have my Amazon Prime turned on my Merchant Fulfilled. Now, this isn't available to anyone because right now I think there might still be a waiting list. But if you're able to somehow offer expedited shipping and you might get scared, you might say, hey, Orlando, what if it's a Monday and somebody wants second day air, right? Which does happen. So I've had it where I've had second day air on a Monday and I end up not making any money on a product because I have to spend that extra cash to send that money second day air. It's okay because the amount of sales that I get from having that prime badge on there ends up separating me from the competition and I don't even have to do FBA. So it's been really helpful. And by the way, if you just want to turn it on for Thursdays, Thursdays, you can actually use priority and it's the same thing as second day air because it just has to get there by the following Tuesday. So it's just something to think about. Nice. All right. I had a mouthful there, but I'm, t- I'm telling you, like, you don't, you don't want to lose out because I've done the merchant fulfilled thing where I wasn't prime because I'm like, I don't want to lose that money. A- and I was being overlooked. I'm pretty sure every time buyers were going to the Amazon listing, they're like, I want this now. I don't want to pay extra shipping. I don't want to do standard shipping. I want this as fast as possible. And if you're not doing FBA, to me, that that's the way to go, Spe- especially like on a Black Friday and so mm-hmm. on. So. All right. And then you talked about handling. So are you are you at one day handling yet? Are you still at two right now? No, I'm I'm one day. You're one day, okay. Yeah. And I would say same day shipping is is the best, but make sure you don't have same day shipping that you can't make it happen. So my cutoff is 1 p.m. Cause I, I find that like on Q4, if I have too many orders, literally I won't make it to the post office in time to drop packages off, which puts you in a really bad place. Mm-hmm. So think about that. All right, but what about platforms? Anything you learned about platforms in the last Q4s? Yeah, I mean, I, I primarily do just eBay, and I know um, Amazon is probably the Q the Q4 like Beast. gold mine, right? Like that's where that's where it's at. Uh, but one thing I've realized, especially Q4, I mean, the local market's always good, uh, but Q4, you'd be surprised at how many people are looking for those hot toys locally. Right. That you, is true. So, that is true. so if you're able to pick up and I, I say toys, but it's any hot item. Right. Um, so I'm a big fan of eBay. It's, it's great, especially if, you know, you've got a normal day job or you're nine to five. And so you're trying to figure out your shipping and all that. But if you have the opportunity to do local, uh, one of the benefits of that is the no fees and the cash in hand. Um, and it's just, it's, it's so liquid. It's fast. You're not dealing with fees. You're not dealing with waiting for a payout from eBay or a payout from PayPal or a pay payout from, um, Amazon. Uh, so local has been great Q4. And then obviously, you know, every platform is going to, is going to see an increase, right? Maybe, I, I mean, I don't know the numbers on Poshmark, but I'm sure like even Mercari, I'm sure Depop, I'm sure all of these markets, all these platforms are going to have an increase during Q4 because people are looking for those things. They're wanting, shopping is up across the board, right? If, when shopping is going up in Target, it's also going up at Walmart. It's also going up at Marshalls and JCPenney's, right? Like shopping just goes up. So 
Um, any platform you can be on, this might be the time to cross post, but I would just warn, don't don't start cross posting in Q4 um, if you're not sure about the, the platforms and if you can handle the volume, because you might end up running into the problems where you're all of a sudden things are selling on eBay, but then you're getting the sales on Mercari and then there's too many sales coming through and then you're getting messages on local. So know the platforms before you go into Q4 and make sure you already know how to cross list if that's what you're going to do. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Now, I'll do. I'll throw a little counter to there. Is that you? You have to understand, like, to maximize profit. It doesn't mean like you get more money per item. It may mean you you get more items sold with less profit per item, right? So, to me, if I were to put tiers as to you know what ways to go when it comes to Q4, Q4 it's it's Amazon, eBay, Mercari, Poshmark, and everything else. I could be wrong, but you you cannot beat the velocity on on Amazon. And the reason you can't beat the velocity on Amazon is because that ranking is a hundred percent accurate. Like you just can't beat that ranking because that ranking at the, and here's the thing, the ranking at that time, like it, it fluctuates so much. Right. But at the same time, usually when it's going down, right, that means it's going to be faster and faster and faster. And for example, those of you that are brand new to Amazon, if you pick up anything, right, that is under a thousand in rank, you literally can buy that in the store and before you check out, it'll be sold. Right. I mean, I just had that happen two days ago. I went to a store. The, the item was actually ranked 12,000 something. I picked up three. I listed it in the store before I paid for it because I'm, I'm wondering what is velocity and they sold before I even paid for the item. Right. And I had to ship it out that day. That's how fast the velocity is. Where on eBay, right? The, the reason I think things slow down on eBay is because there could be hundreds of listings that are the same item. Right. Where on Amazon, as long as you put it close to, you know, the lowest price and you have that prime tag or if you don't, if you offer free shipping or you offer expedited, people are more likely to see that right away and they'll buy that item. I almost get the the picture of somebody walking around a Target or a Walmart or whatever with a couple of big baskets and they're just like using it as temporary inventory. And that's their office for the day. And they're like, we'll see if stuff sells. I've got my inventory. And uh, uh, they could test out new products. And if it doesn't sell, then I'll put it back on the shelf. Right. Well, I'm not saying you should do no, that. I just have this people, idea. There that are that people that do that, like live right next door to a store and like they'll list it. And then when it sells, they'll walk over there. You, you, but you don't want to do that. Yeah, that's scary. Too. No, it's <laughs> nice if it's in your <laughs> cart. But if it's in your cart, you know, and you're just walking around and relaxing, you know, who knows? Maybe that might be the way to go if you're if you don't have capital. Right. If you want to make sure it sells before you buy it. I'm just saying, I don't know. No, There are. There, it, it's kind of like a like a faux drop ship <laughs> in a way where you don't have the product. I mean, you're doing more work than drop shipping mm -hmm. and, and drop ship. We're not going to talk about drop shipping. Drop shipping is also huge during Q4 because people are very, I don't know. It's weird. This is why drop shipping works because you can go to, you literally could go to Amazon, sell something on Amazon and then go to eBay and source it from there and have it shipped to where they, now don't do that. I'm telling you, you don't want to get suspended during Q4. Like I've been close. I've been close to being suspended. And that's the other thing. You don't want to lose money by cutting corners during Q4. Like everything you send has to be, especially if it's new in package, new in tags, should be pristine, especially when it's on Amazon. Because the last thing you want is your account being held. Let's say it gets held out for three days. You can lose thousands of dollars. I'm not joking. Thousands of dollars. So, so maximize your platform. Right. Understand that you can sell stuff on eBay, but always take a look. Listen, if you're scared of doing Amazon, I shared this on the on our live. If you're scared of doing Amazon, 
do merchant fulfilled. If you find yourself ungating an item, you can get, you know, multiples of an item, list it both on eBay, list it on Amazon. Promise you it's it's gonna sell faster on Amazon. Yes, here's the thing. Don't get caught up on fees. Don't say, hey, I'm just gonna go local because of the fee. Listen, fees really 13%, right? On eBay. Okay, Amazon, it's higher, but you waiting around, having to drive somewhere, having to meet with somebody instead of something just going off on your phone and you pack it, ship it, drop it off. You don't want to spend a lot of time looking for, hey, I'm going to make money locally. Now, it doesn't mean you don't list it, but you know how local goes. At least for me, the reason I am anti-local a lot is because there's less eyes on a product and it's very time consuming when it comes to the fact that there's a lot of flakes, there's a lot of messaging that goes on. And to me, that 13% gets eaten away with all the time I waste doing local. So it's just my opinion. So, All right. Now, being competitive. Now, you've talked about this a little bit just on your own spare time. Like, you're, you're being competitive. You're going a little more fast nickel on things. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm not so concerned now. And, and that kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier with pricing. Um, I, want, I want to get inventory out of my inventory and I want to get cash into my bank, right? Like, that's the goal, ultimately. And if I, if I make 20% less on an item, but I sell it, you know, three months, four months, five months faster... Well, that capital, if reinvested, is going to make much more than that 20%, yes, right? So we talk about that just in the day-to-day. And then the same thing is going to go for Q4, right? Nobody wants to hold on to items, especially because like there's certain things, like if you're picking up specifically to sell for Q4, if you're, you know, you don't want to be stuck with those items, you want to get that, those items out, you want to be selling them, you want to be priced to sell, even if that means you're making, like Orlando said earlier, um, it might not be priced, like total net profit per item, but it's total profit for your time, right? So in that one month period, how much net profit are you bringing in versus, well, if I hold onto this item for another six months, I might make an extra $5 on it. Well, that might be an okay model, but you know, it, it really is just going to depend. And I think Q4 is not the time to be doing the, the slow me. dime. <laughs> and I love, you know me, I love selling stuff that I've had for like seven years. Like I, I celebrate it, but during Q4, if if you get an offer, if there is something like, you know, the other day, I forget what it was. It was, I think it was some kind of shirt that I had for like six years and people are like, Hey, why'd you let it go for $50? And I'm like, well, I had no action on this. Right. So you better believe the first time I get an offer, as long as I'm making some kind of money, like I'm going to take it, right. You can't take it personal. Cause you're right. And, and most studies and, and we get, I get this comment all the time on Instagram. Whenever I'm like, I had this listed for six years. People are like, Orlando, you could have made a lot more money by then if you had just sold it for your first offer, cash rolled it, bought more, bought more, cash rolled it, bought more, which is true. It is true, right? This is why you see a lot of high volume sellers. They're willing to do, I mean, very high volume, especially on Amazon. They're willing to do the 10%, right? Or the 30%, right? ROI on the margins. It's super low margins, but they're selling so much that it's profitable for them instead of just holding out and trying to get the higher price. So definitely not the time to go long tail. Uh, you gotta you gotta move fast. And I will say this, and and before, you know, this is one of the worst things that happened to me was I remember one Q four. I had all my eBay stuff listed. I had nothing new. I had like old. I mean, no, I had vintage Hawaiian shirts. I had vintage, you know, all this stuff. And like Black Friday came, and like nothing sold. And I remember going like, "What's wrong? Like everybody lied to me." But you got to understand what merch sells, right? So don't get caught up in this. Now, 
you should list everything you have, but understand that it's new or new or newer items, right? Like new items that sell really well in Q4. You will get the eBay sales, right? Like Mike said earlier, right? All the ships rise, right? When, when Amazon is hot, when eBay is hot, when all retail is hot, but at the same time, right? Your wave may not be as big as everybody else's because the inventory you have isn't what people are looking to re-gift in that season. Yeah. And then, and then one last thing on this is, and, and I don't know if you have this for later on, uh, but uh, yeah, I do kind of see it later on. So I don't want to talk about it too much, uh, but you want a price to sell now because you don't want to hold off thinking the price is going to go up oh, because you really not. don't know. Um, more often than not, it's true. You might end up getting an item and you sell it. And then two weeks later, the inventory is even harder to get. And then it's gone up in price by another 50%. And you're like, oh man, like I should have held on to it. But I'd say that's maybe one out of 10 times, nine out of 10 times items are hot and then stores get restocked. And then that price plummets or people start offloading on Amazon and it's a race to the bottom. Right. So you, you're never going to be able to time the market perfectly, maybe occasionally on one or two items, but you want to make sure that you're being competitive to sell now because it's better to have the money in your pocket now than to all of a sudden find that you've missed the, you've missed the time and you're stuck with the inventory. Oh, it, it's, it's scary. <laughs> I remember, I mean, that is the next topic anyways, but was it, was it two years ago? Scruffaloves? Remember those Scruffaloves? Yeah, I had a whole bunch of those. I don't want to remember those, but I remember and those. And those like uh, yes, br- bracelet things. Yeah, the palmsies. Was it palm? No, no, something rapples. Rapples. Yeah, I don't know. One of those. And I had shelves of them. <laughs> See, this is why Mike doesn't like Amazon right now because we he I the bad thing is there's a lot there's a lot of people that speculate and I was one of them. Like I am not in the speculation game anymore when it comes to Q4. I, I think the reason I did a lot of speculation was because it worked for me for a couple of years. Like I, I talked about those Jojo Siwa dolls. Mm-hmm. Right. And there was one year I speculated there's these, I don't know how, how what are, what are they like two feet tall? Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're pretty big, but Jojo Siwa dolls, they were like 35 bucks at Walmart. So I watched that be a hot item, this Q4, but they were hot. And the year before we did the podcast, I probably sold close to 300 of them. And I, I made, like $20 net, I think, on each one of them. I think the price got up to like 80 bucks and the rank was down to like 10,000. They're like flying off the shelves on Amazon, right? And they were sold out at every, and you could only get it at Walmart. And we shared, this, I have, we haven't shared the background to the story. Like you, we shared like you and your wife being ninjas and like finding this item. But, you know, I approached Mike and, I, and you know, he, Mike shared how I opened my Honda Pilot and I literally had Jojo Siva dolls in my entire car. Right, and that motivated Mike to get them. And guess what? It didn't work out. Yeah, they didn't sell. My neighbors probably thought I was crazy because I had a garage full of like baby dolls or whatever they are, you know. I know, but that's the thing. But it was it was we, we were holding on to it, right? I told Mike, I said, Hey, prices will go up, prices will go up. And they went up a little bit, but they didn't go up a lot. Like we you did you lose on those? Uh, no, I think I broke even. I sold a few um, for pretty okay profit and the rest were basically break even. Yeah. I mean, the only way they're going to go up in price is if you hold on to them for like a year or two and then they'll go up in price. It's amazing what you'll get a year or two after. Really? So you're saying I should have not sold them and just kept them? Yeah. I'm serious. <laughs> like, I think right now, last I saw them, they were the one with the little dog. I remember they were like 125 on eBay. Oh, jeez. It's crazy. Don't tell me that. Well, <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. I should, you know, what? I should tell you. I'm going to tell you off the podcast with another item. I just, I can't share this other one, but Luva Bella dolls, right? Last year they were hot. 
the year before they weren't and everybody i remember everybody no two years ago two years ago everybody crowded like bought them all up like somebody had dropped the youtube video on them everybody's like the price is gonna go up and complete flop right because everybody bought into this thinking yeah this is gonna sell and i'm i'm like you just can't i wonder if um i wonder if any influencers do like a pump and dump scheme yeah, you know what? I've thought about that myself. Because I bet you there's people who say like... Oh, explain pump and dump because not everybody knows what that so is. So that's like a stock market term. Um, so basically it's, you know, hype up an, uh, uh, a stock, buy a bunch of stock at a low price, hype it up. Um, you just bought a whole bunch of, let's say you bought like 20% of a company. This is something like wealthy people might be able to do. 20% of a company. So all of a sudden, all of these shares are, are being sold and then you're putting it out on the news, like this company's the next big company. It's going to be amazing. You want to buy into it. So the price goes way up. And that person who bought all that stock sells all their shares now that the price is going up because they created this false hype. And then once they sell it all, all of a sudden the price drops back down to nothing, right? So they just basically make a bunch of money by pumping it up and then dumping all of that, their shares. That is TikTok stock market advice. Right. So what I'm assuming is there's, I'm not saying that there are people necessarily who are doing this, but I, how's it going to play out though? So I'm waiting. So, to so for, for this, what you could do is you could say like, Hey, whatever the item is, fingerlings are going to be the next big thing. You need to pick them up. They're really hard to find in stores. And all of a sudden they're starting to sell it in stores because resellers are going to buy them all up. Right? Well, you've already bought a bunch of them and you sell them on eBay or another platform, Amazon for maybe $5, $10 above the asking price. But you, you're telling everybody like these are going to be selling for $20, $30 more. So now people are buying your stock because it's, they want it because they want to sell it for that high value, but there's never actually any real like desire for this item. You created a fake desire. Resellers buy it. You sell off your stock to other resellers at a slightly higher price I, I, and then you make money off it. I don't think that's happened, but it's not to say it can't happen. Well, and I, and I, I can't imagine that, that, okay. So even if they don't do it maliciously, like, Hey, I'm going to sell mine, yeah. my fingerlings for a $5 profit each to resellers who, because I'm making them think it's going to be a lot I'm sure there's still false hype created by resellers, oh, right? Like oh, this 100%. is the item to pick up. Those Jojo Siwa dolls were completely the case. Yeah, and then resellers buy them nowhere. All. They were nowhere. Yep. But it's only resellers buying them. Yeah, but there was no scarcity. Yep. Like it was a fake scarcity because when you went on Amazon, you went on eBay, prices didn't go anywhere and there was an abundant supply. So who are the people that bought them all out? Resellers. Resellers. Or should I say scalpers, right? The new term now. So... And, and I'm telling you, I have, this has been one of the biggest ways I have lost money is that I've bought inventory. Listen, if it's selling for a good price and you can make profit, sell it at that point in time, especially right now in this time of pandemic 2020, who knows what's going to happen in 2020, right? You, we, we don't know. Like this has been the year, man. 2020 isn't done yet. You so, do, I mean, who knows by the end of the year, no, there no, might, don't, don't, there don't might not there. even, there might not even be. Uh, eBay and Amazon anymore, right? Like, so at this point, sell what you have because you don't know if there's going to even be people, but who even knows if currency is going to exist, right? Like, okay. I'm just saying. Let me come in another podcast right now. That's all I'm saying. But I go back, let's go for a circle. Scruffalove. Scruffalove's in October. So you could buy these on sale at Target for about $14.99, something like that. And they were going for $50 on Amazon. So you could make a quick $10, $15 dollars because the rank was super low it was, i think it was around a thousand or less than a thousand and they were like selling and i remember i'm like I'm, i bought a ton i had tons of them i'm like i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait and then the price just tanked 
just tank because what happened is a bunch of resellers jump on the listing. There's a race to the bottom. And I should have sold when there was only like maybe 15 on there instead of 50. And then it was done. It's done. So do not, do not. The other thing I will say is, and I, I've lost thousands of dollars here too, right? Do not send stuff into the warehouse unless you know it's going to sell fast. Especially, I'm talking about Amazon, right? Because those fees will kill you. I shared this in the last podcast. The fees are tripled October to December. Now, some will make the argument, well, that, you know, that's part of the game. It's the cost of business. Yes, it is. But it's unwise if you send stuff and you're not willing to sell it right away and you let it sit in the warehouse. I'll give you an example. Do you remember those annoying uh, for real T-Rex? Like every time you walk by, they're oh, green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Right? Any Target you went to, Walmart, eh, or the retail store that shall not be named, they would make that noise. And I figured out how to shut them up. At one time, I didn't know. So I had a van full of them like crying. It was driving me crazy one time. And at one time, no joke, you can buy them at $34.99 at Target on sale. And they were going for about $120, I think at the peak, $135. That is major money. Yeah. But within two days, it dropped to selling at $80. And then I was like, no, I want I want that $130. I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold it. I'm going to wait for all these sellers to sell out. It never happened. Yeah. And that's the beauty, too. I mean, of course, people are going to lose at times when this happens, but... And we talk all the time on the podcast about the market and the market correcting itself and the place of resellers in a free market to help find that balance point between supply and demand. And occasionally the resellers are going to get it wrong. And when they do that, there might be a temporary short amount of time where where prices are way up. Maybe it's false demand or maybe the stock, you know, the inventory is is not really what people think it is. And so there's false scarcity or the, the scarcity gets adjusted once the corporation makes more of it, whatever it is. But even then it shows that resellers might try to say, we think the price should be up here, $120 per item. But then when that race to the bottom happens, again, that's the market correcting mm -hmm. itself, right? So it, it it's just, it's kind of a beautiful thing. I mean, it sucks when you're on the wrong end of that, but it's like a, a nice thing to see like, okay, you might get called all these names for being a reseller and you're buying these toys, but you, you can't beat the market, right? You're not the one fixing the market. You're not the one telling you you're all you're doing is you're playing in the rules of that market. And if the market is right, you can be there. But if you misjudge and you're trying to outplay the market and sell things for more than it's worth, it's not going to work because you're going to have that race to the bottom. You're going to lose money on that item. And people are going to be getting that item for cheaper than they would have got it at Target or Walmart. Right. So everybody ends up at the same place. The market is going to correct itself. Agreed. Okay. It always does. And so right now, the next one I want to talk about is that bubbles change from week to week. There may be a hot toy and seriously, it might be only that week, right? Like you said, the market corrects itself and then there's another hot item that people are looking for, right? Either because it gets out of stock or people, you know, people have, you know, there's scarcity that's created. I'll give you an example. There's an item right now that I was about to pick up. Now this item, here's how crazy it is. This item, I think it was... $65 retail. La was it last year? No, two years ago. $65 retail, two years ago, right when we were starting the podcast. And it was going for 120 So I think resellers created this false scarcity. They bought them all out. They bought them all out. And then what ended up happening is the full restock happened. And instead, that item that item died and it was another item similar to it that people wanted because 
for whatever reason, people get FOMO, mm. right? They want that item that they can't get. So now that everybody could get this other item, they wanted this other item over here. Now, the reason I'm not mentioning that item is I've seen that item right now on shelves for $20. And you could actually double your money if you find that item right now. My concern with that item is that I've seen so many of them that once resellers start sourcing it, they're going to buy it all up and it's going to tank again. Mm. Right. But you got to be careful because things are only hot for so long. And at the same time, you also got to know social media plays a major role in this. Luckily we're on social media now, but I'll give you an example. Last year we had these, uh, it was like this Captain America shield or something. I don't know. You can get it like at an off price store, it was like seven ninety nine. It was going for like $35. And I was selling, I was selling, I was selling, I was making major profit. And next thing you know, somebody posted three cartfuls and you know, they're flexing on the mm. gram. Guess what? Everybody's going to pick up. They're going to pick up that item. And that bolo died. Hey everyone, ever found yourself too busy to list or wanting to scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Sellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Sellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Sellhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code all in caps, Pure Hustle 25. That's the numbers, 2-5. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to sawhound.com and subscribe using our promo code, Pure Hustle 25. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, and we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with list perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, you need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, so first of all is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they, they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our... our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, you're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, and your, your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. 
Yeah. And that, that goes to like the specific of, you know, the groups or, or people sharing items and, and losing bolos that way. Um, but the other reason bolos change is, is trends change, right? Like we live in a time now where like a news cycle used to be like weeks or months, right? And now it's like hours. And the same thing goes with other trends too. We Kids, I mean, there are certain things that kids are, are, are really into, right? It's like Minecraft has is, is been big for a long time, but even that goes in waves, right? Mm-hmm. For a while, it was like Fortnite was the coolest thing ever. And now from what I'm hearing from kids is Fortnite is like old. If you're still playing Fortnite, mm-hmm. it's like, it just shows you're kind of like a, you know, only like little kids play Fortnite. Like the, the junior hires aren't playing Fortnite anymore. That's for babies. And it's just like what, so if you went out and bought all the Fortnite stuff thinking that was what was hot, well, kids change what they like. I mean, and who knows why it is? Is it a few TikTok videos? Is it a couple YouTubers that say like, this game isn't as cool anymore. Now it's this game. Like, oh, is it Reddit? Like things change. And so you've kind of got to have your pulse on culture and what's going on, because depending on what YouTubers are saying, depending on what's happening online, understanding meme culture, I'm 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 not going to suggest like any specific YouTubers, but there are a few big ones that that junior hires and high schoolers and like young college kids watch like all the time. I mean, I, I will give one, right? PewDiePie is, is like, because he was just like the one, right? Like everybody the knew. YouTuber. He was like, the, yeah, he, he is the YouTuber. And I would watch like an episode or a couple episodes a week for a long time when I was teaching at high school because I wanted to have my pulse on, my finger on the pulse of culture. Like what it, what are the things they're talking about? So when kids say random things, I know, oh, they're like, they're, that refers to a meme. That's an illusion. And then as an English teacher, I got to like teach them through that. But things that would have gone over my head aren't. And now I realize, oh, you're making fun of that other kid. That's not okay. Or, oh, I know what's going on here. Right? And so that same thing of having your, your finger on the pulse of culture is going to help with knowing what are the bolos and what are kids actually after. Well, I'll give you an example, even from this pandemic, right? We've joked about this pandemic created a Q4, right? And we're technically going to have a Q5. So I don't know if you guys remember, but Dr. Fauci had that first pitch that went terrible, mm-hmm. right? And the baseball card was selling for major money after it got released. I mean, I'm looking now, you know, early August, this card was selling for $400, $500. I mean, all kinds of crazy. I remember I was going to pick this up too, and I just, I, I should have three ninety nine, three ninety nine. But then when I change it, right, to the most recent listing, right, it's not, it's $34. I mean, think about how fast that bolo changed, right? It's a culture shift, right? The news cycle. I mean, that's, that's not too long ago, right? Where's Dr. Fauci now? Who knows? Like I hardly ever see him on the news anymore. Right. But that dude was like the man for a moment, right? Because we got to see that guy on TV almost every day, unfortunately, because of what was happening. Right. So understand because yeah, any, anything that can happen can become in Q4, can become like a Christmas gift because it's kind of cool to have, mm-hmm. right? So, no, that's a good, that's a very good point. So, and then no one to get out, no one to get out. We talked about this, we've called it a stop loss. And the idea that like sometimes you just got to liquidate, mm-hmm. even in Q4, you just got to liquidate. I mean, I shared this last year with my, uh, my Ryan's eggs. You know, fingerlings was a nightmare, but the Ryan's eggs was the biggest nightmare. Because I went on Black Friday. How many did I buy there? Do you, I don't know. I, I bought like a, that was like 3K worth. That was a lot of eggs. And, and the stupid, stupid me was, man, nobody knows that there's value in these. No, no. Everybody knew that there wasn't value in them. Except Orlando. Orlando thought he could be the, you know, the guy that goes against the tide and wins. And so I picked this up. And yeah, price never went up. I waited all of Q4, 
all of Q4. Now I sold some here and there, but what I should have done is I should have just taken the loss right away. I should have just sold them all out, right? Maybe taking five. I mean, it would have been a loss. I probably would have lost. I remember when I was estimating it, it was going to be like 500 to a thousand bucks, but that's cash. I would have had to roll over and buy more stuff. Now, the other reason I, I didn't take that loss was because I did return some of them. Sorry. I did that. I kind of had to. And I was using credit, so I didn't need that cash. Hmm. Right. But if you, you're if you're cash strapped and you have no options, you don't want to be sitting around without cash and not being able to buy something. If you got to sell off stuff to get that payment to be able to buy more inventory and roll that over into more money in Q4, I would say do it. Yeah. No, that's great advice. And honestly, um, like not everybody struggles with this. Some people follow like thinking of stocks, right? Because that market, the stock market kind of closely resembles like the reselling market. It's a lot of the same. And um, some people will just follow the crowd, right? So it's like people are buying, so I'm going to buy. People are selling, so I'm going to sell. But a lot of people fall into this like psychological trap and it's very, very common. And it's that they sell their winners way too early and they hold on to their losers way too long. Right. And that's that idea of stop loss is they start to see like, Hey, this, this, this price is going up. I'm selling it now. Right. Instead of holding on, you know, and stock market, this part's a little bit different, but you know, instead of saying like, I'm just going to hold on to this long term, but then when it's losing, it's like, okay, I've lost 10% now on this stock. I'm going to sell it all and just call it a wash and move on. It's like, no, this might come back up. Next thing you know, you've lost 20%. It might come back up. Now you've lost 30%. It might come back up. Now you've lost 40%. Oh, Oh, now I'm going to sell it. Right. So the same thing goes for when it's that race to the bottom. Sometimes it's better just to get there quick, liquidate it, lose 10%, lose 5%, break even, whatever it is, and move on. Because yeah, if you keep holding out, holding out, holding out, you're going to be stuck with inventory that is, you're going to end up losing 30, 40, 50% instead of that 10%. So it's hard. It's hard to take that loss, but you got to think about it as you're playing, you're playing a game here where you, let's say you got 10 items to sell. You can lose on two. You can lose on three. You can lose on four of them. You can break even on two. And as long as you're making money on the others, you're good to go. You come out as a net profit. So instead of thinking about it as like an individual item that that's what you're making net or loss, think about it as the whole, right? So it's okay to have two or three losers as long as you don't let yourself lose everything on them and then have some that break even. That's okay. As long as you got one or two home runs, you're going to be in the in the green. Yeah, because there's going to be plenty. If you source correctly in Q4, you're not going to go deep on a ton of items. Now, there are some items that I personally have gone deep on that it worked out, right? Amazon never got on my listing. A lot of people, I literally, I was able to get items that had maybe 15 on the listing. And it was like that the whole Q4, which was amazing. But I was playing a dangerous game because this item that I was buying was was an expensive item. It was over 50 bucks. And I was buying tons of them. Had I replayed that in my head, I I probably would have sold sooner. I got lucky this last Q4. but. You you don't. I, I agree with you, Mike. I, if there's anything I could take away from the last Q4s is you just got to move on. Move on. Realize there's going to be another profitable item because, uh, yeah, it, it, it can get it can get scary. <laughs> it's scary like buying stocks on margin. Mm. That's how scary. It can. If you don't know what that is, look it up. We have a whole stock market right now that's doing it right now. Anyways, all right, enough with the history lesson. All right, so that was no one to get out. Hey, by the way, though, we are going to jump into our... Hu- not going to say what it is yet because we got to talk about social media. 
Yeah. So, hey, if you've been following us on social media, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are Pure Hustle Podcast. On Twitter, we are Pure Hustle Cast. If you want to watch our mugs, you can always go to YouTube, hit that subscribe button and that bell notification. By the way, we're almost at 4K subscribers. So, yeah, aw. let's get to 100K because I want to get, what is it, the diamond play button or the platinum play button. Help us get that. I was just looking cool. to get to four, but, you know. Yeah, no, 10X, man. If, if 70 10X. people that listen to this podcast just went over and hit that subscribe, we'd be at 4K instantly. Yeah, be that person. <laughs> be that person. We won't know, but we'll be. Actually, we could know, kind of. Like, if we look at any, it doesn't matter. Just help us out. So, hey, and by the way, thank you so much. Those of you that give, leave us with phone calls and emails and messages, you can always call us at 619-738-1170, 619-738-1170, or you can shoot us an email at purehustlepodcast at gmail.com. That's purehustlepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And thank you all for the awesome reviews. Always helpful in the algorithm on the iTunes reviews. And thank you for the donations and buying the shirts and all that. Because uh, like we shared before, we are kind of... I don't know. We're going to start dabbling in different ways because sponsorships right now aren't necessarily cutting it. (laughs) And so, so we're going to probably try to figure some things out, but our content will be free. That is our goal. Okay. So be aware that every time you help us out in any way, which way you can, whether it's writing a review, a donation, a shirt, whatever, always helps us continue, continue providing, you know, I want to say awesome content, but I don't know. Hopefully it brings you value. Yeah. Content. We'll just, we'll just set the bar really low. Well, no, we give you content. I'm confident about what we deliver. Like, you know what I mean? Like who who goes like, I'm going to deliver this terrible podcast. It's not like a commercial for a while of like, it wasn't captain obvious, but it was something like that. Like where it was like marketing, but basically saying you're going to give them like terrible, like, I can't remember what it was, but it's something like that where it was like a plumber that's like, yeah, I'll mostly fix this. Oh, that's it was like one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we, I mean, we could go that we are the fastest growing reselling podcast on the market. Yeah, we are. We are the fastest growing podcast about reselling featuring two bald yes, bearded men that's that you're listening is. to right now. That's what it is. Hey, if you guys want to hit up Headblade or any beard company to sponsor us, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. So not that we haven't tried. All right. Now that we're done begging. Well, uh, were we begging? No, we're just no, we're having a conversation. No, it's good. Yeah, that's true. Okay. All right. But Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. Hustle of the week. Here we go. So our first hustle comes from John Instagram handle at retro ducks. That's retro underscore ducks. Love that. Uh, has been a hustle of the week before. So we picked up a Danbury mint lighted Christmas tree at an estate sale for 10 bucks. Nice. Listed on eBay, even with some missing parts and a lady decided to do a local pickup. I haven't done one of those yet and said she had been looking for it for years, sold it for 400 dollars i'm gonna start picking up christmas trees that's a good that's they, they are bolos like if you get certain christmas trees they are bolos oh i'll be looking for the danbury mint lighted christmas tree that's <laughs> pretty, the one pretty sure that's a tough one to buy no i'm not, that's what i'm looking for though so because <laughs> okay. i want to i want to make that kind of money so that's awesome i mean it just goes to show like somebody was looking for that for years there's buyers out there for the right items um some are willing to even do local pickup right so um good job Good job. That's Those good are one. some of the best stories. Yeah. I love it when somebody contacts me and says, I've been looking for this my entire time because mm-hmm. you never know, right? So you get that altruistic, right? Endorphin kick. Is it endorphin? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And you also get that cash money and literally cash money. So great job there, John. Retro underscore ducks. All right. 
So we have Chelsea, IG handle, Monarch Alley, child of the 80s, picked up a Nintendo Power magazine. Do you remember Nintendo Power? Are you, you're too young for Nintendo Power. Yeah, too young. Man, you missed out. Nintendo Power was a magazine. I had a subscription. Every time I got it, I read every single page, even the ads. It was so good. It was just incredible. They need to bring Nintendo Power back. So... Bought it with a bunch of books for 25 cents. It was a 1988 Nintendo Power. First issue, Volume 1, 1998. No, 19, 1988. 1988. Put it up for auction at $75. So she knew what she had, right? Sold for $202 to somebody in France wow. via eBay's global shipping program. Bonjour. I'm, listen, that is an awesome find, Chelsea. Bothered me a little bit because I literally had every issue from its beginning until like the mid nineties, but I didn't think it was going to be worth anything. That's so, like those stories of like my mom threw away all my comic books. Yep. That's what happened. Mm. I used to have all this starter gear. I had all these Iversons, all these Jordans, and I went to college and yeah, my I don't know what my parents did with my stuff. What can you do? I'll be rolling the door right now. Yeah. So yeah. great job finding the Nintendo power. I, I just, oh, it brings back so many memories. See, Nintendo was a thing. Because um, I'm going to get nostalgic here. Those of you that are children of the 80s or the 90s, do you remember like whenever anything dropped? It wasn't like now where, you know, you got the bots and, and the bots like control and like PS5 sell out like in half an hour. You have no, you literally had to go to stores. Mm. Right. So the best rush was like getting into Toys R Us, like Super Nintendo's out and boom, you're able to get it. You go, home. it was such a great feeling. Yeah, and the the the, the competition between the different uh, brands back then was pretty amazing. Like I, there was a slogan for a while Sega had when Sega was kind of first starting Sega. where yeah. they were, their their slogan was something like, Sega does what Nintendo don't. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's I like, yeah. yeah. And Sega did pretty good until the Dreamcast and then, you know, it was, it was a flop. But Dreamcast wasn't that bad. Well, but I, I it wasn't it. successful. My parents dropped, I think, like 400 bucks on that Dreamcast. It wasn't that great. Now, for reselling purposes, it's a bolo. Speaking of, I have a Dreamcast. I haven't tested it. I need to go test it out. You should remind me. Do it. Okay. I'm going to ask you to read the next one because I, I glanced through it and uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do it coherently. <laughs> You're going to be correcting me the whole time. So. I, typed this, I typed it so fast. So we were supposed to do this podcast another night, but things happened. And I rushed through it, and that—that's what you get when you rush through it. So, all right, I'm sorry, Mike. So no, it's okay. I just you—you you know what you wrote better than I do. So hopefully, hopefully, I'm glad you caught that. This is like when I was in school. I have—I have really bad handwriting. I've worked really hard over the years to like practice my writing and my my print, making it really neat. Um, but if I were to just—if you're just telling me to write without trying to make it neat, it's almost illegible. Like. I would always be asked by, by teachers, what does this say? And they'd hold it to me and I'd look at it and I'd be like, uh, I'm not sure. Right. So, um, that's Orlando's typing. Isn't that bad? No, but I, I don't even know what now this is. A, I don't mind sharing this one because I am a Christopher Nolan fan. Like I would, Chris, I would tattoo Christopher Nolan's face on my arm. That's how much of a fan I am of Christopher Nolan. All right. Okay. All right. Man, all the way from Memento to Inception to the Batman trilogy, even Tenant, which I didn't understand what was happening, was an awesome movie. So, all right. Let's talk about this. Meg, IG handle, Mid Valley Vintage. So, a church reopened their thrift store after being closed due to COVID. 
she they had this fill a basket sale. So it was $10 fill a basket and anything that was clearance. I don't even know how a church rummage sale has clearance, but they did. Like it was free. So she sells mostly women's vintage exclusively. But <laughs> I see I put something, but Swan and Under Armour jersey. I don't even know what that means. Like, okay. So, but spotted an Under Armour jersey. Picked it up thinking it was a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey. It said Gotham Rogues on it. Put it back thinking it was. <laughs> you got to read these typos. I put put it back thinning it was a local lacrosse team. Okay, I get it. So she put it back thinking it was a local lacrosse team. But then found out she had room in the basket. So decided to still pick it up. It was a replica movie jersey from a line called Dark Knight X Under Armour. So it's a collaboration. And if you're trying to figure out what this is, so do you remember? This is my favorite Batman movie, Dark Knight Rising, right? Remember Bane, mm -hmm. right? And and like Bane, the character Bane is so good that like you want to be on Bane's team, right? What? Like in the beginning, in the beginning, he it's it's like Money Heist. So if you caught Money Heist, it's like anti-system, anti-establishment. Like for a moment, we all have those moments. We all have those moments, right? Right? Because because as men, we want to be free. Right, universal, right, men. We want to be free, right? But, right, because there's this thing like about in the, this is like becoming a movie review. In the beginning, when they're on the plane, that first scene, right, and and the, one of Bane's followers is like, all right, brother, he's like, brother, you need to stay behind. And he like does like gives him. If you notice on YouTube, I give Pat a, a pat. I give Mike a pat. Okay, whatever. And he's like, you must stay behind for the cause, brother. And like the guy's willing to you know die for the cause and. And then Bane is fast forward a little. So, so the whole time, right? Bane is basically like, Hey, I'm going to bring justice, right? Because that's a, what Ra's al Ghul wanted, right? He wanted justice in Gotham and you had to eliminate the evil in Gotham to have justice. But actually it was a power play by Bane. The whole, I'm not going to ruin the movie for you. Anyways, fast forward to the scene at the football field at the football field. They're doing, you know, the national anthem. And there's this football team that's standing there with their hand over their heart. And that is the Gotham rogue. Rose, that is the football team, right? So that's what these jerseys were. Okay, so I know that because I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan. Now, Bane in the end shows what happens when you have recklessness and eat the rich and all that craziness happening because of complete chaos that ran the streets and everybody suffered. So in the end, it was what was meant for good was evil. So yeah. Okay. All right. Getting back to this. How do we get, how did I get in? I went into my Chris Nolan land. All right. So she picked up this dark Knight under armor collaboration, the collaboration Jersey. She knew that they were going for $400 on eBay, but it was used and it sold for 150 bucks. Yeah. So she basically paid probably like a, under a dollar for that Jersey. It's a sweet Jersey. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's cool. You should have bought it. You should buy one. I, I, you know what? It, I don't know. Like, I didn't even, I, mean, I, I mean, didn't even know those I, existed. I've never seen you fanboy so much as I just saw you fanboy right now. I think you need to buy one of those jerseys. <laughs> well, because every move, every movie is, is a classic. Like Memento, like, do you remember Memento? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what, what is it? He like has to, it, it goes backwards to go yeah. forwards. Right. Yep. And then Inception, like, you know, different layers. I mean, it was so good. So good. All right. Anyways, great job, John Retro Ducks, Chelsea Monarch Alley, and Meg Mid Valley Vintage. Appreciate you sharing your hustle of the week. 
always grateful because if you're not following Hustle of the Week, you're missing out on major bolos. Like that is bolo land. Hashtag Hustle of the Week on Instagram. So, all right, Mike, what's your hustle? All right, my hustle of the week is um, consistent bread and butter sales from consistently listing. Right. I haven't had any like okay. huge high dollar sales of like I paid a dollar for this and, and sold it for 150, but my sales have continue to go up and up and up and I'm listing more and more and more. And um, it's just, it's a hustle of the week because there were a few weeks there where it just wasn't listing as much, wasn't as active, wasn't getting as many sales. And then now that I'm starting to list more, more sales are coming through and I'm seeing that, you know, business bank account going back up. And so um, it's, it's a hustle of the week because it's, I hustled for a week and now I'm making money. Okay. We'll take that. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Hey, I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's a clue out there for you guys. If, if you ever wonder why things are getting maybe stale, maybe you just need to hustle a little bit harder, hustle harder that week and you'll have some hustles of the week. Yeah. And list every day. I mean, some might say you don't need to, but I'm telling you, I've had tons of luck this last month. Not luck. It's been hustle. But I've listed every day. I'm trying to list on about 10 items a day at the least. It used to be five. Now I'm making it 10. And it's, it's, been, it's been good. It's been good. So, all right. So I'm going to share a hustle of the week that I couldn't share last Q4. And hopefully this isn't a hot item this year. Yeah, you're probably destroying a market right now. You think so? Maybe. Should you I ever know? I don't. I'm going to be very. Well, because people may not know what I'm talking about. So last year. Right. So quick ship quick knows what's up because they were with me when this happened. So there was this Hogwarts advent calendar and picked it up and it was 20 bucks. And there was like maybe two people selling it. And I decided to list it high. Now the ranking was obnoxious. It was like a hundred and something K I, I think on Amazon. So I listed it for about 80 bucks. I sent it in and it's scary because some of those advent calendars, you have to be really careful because, you know, you just punch through one part and like the calendar's done. So I was, I was the only one on this. And, uh, I remember like <laughs> Hugo, Hugo remember this. He, he did his merchant fulfilled and it was, it was brutal shipping it. It was brutal shipping it. So I sent it to the FBA and it was wild because on a hunch thinking like there's only so many people that can get this item because this wasn't like your everyday store that you can get this at. And I ended up selling, I'm just going to throw right. I know I probably sold more hundred, a hundred of these units. Okay. So if you do the math now at the low end, like towards the end, when I had to do the, I'd have to do stop loss, but I had to liquidate because too many people got on the listing. I was selling them at $60 and making about 10 to $15 profit on these. Right. Because, you know, the sh when I include everything, I include the cost of goods, I include the FBA shipping, I include the FBA fees and all that. Let's just say on the conservative end, 10 to 15. But on the high end, before everybody got on it, I was making 40, 40 to $50 net on each of these. So made pretty easy 3K on these. All right. And so this is, I guess, a bolo too. When you're thinking about this Q4, think about seasonal stuff that's hot for the season and make sure you sell it in that season. Right. Cause one year there was, um, what was that, uh, that celebration that they had on Seinfeld? It wasn't Christmas, but the dad celebrated something else. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Festivus. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Festivus. So there was this Festivus board game that one year 
was selling for money. Like you could buy it for 10 and it was selling for 40 all day long. Now you can't get anything for it. Like nobody wants it. And the moment I think it was before Christmas, it was like December 16, 17 tank. Cause nobody wanted it anymore. Cause there's no more Christmas parties and, and be aware right now, be careful about, I would say, be careful about buying games that were hot during Christmas because I don't know how many Christmas parties are actually happening. Mm. Right. I'm so sad. I love Christmas parties, love Christmas parties. And there's none to go to. I mean, kind of sad. So maybe we'll do a virtual Pure Russell podcast, Chris. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. We won't. <laughs> Mike didn't even we're react. Gonna, we're going to sing carols and <laughs> and uh, and drink some hot cocoa and all wear our pajamas. And <laughs> we'll, we'll bring all of our PHP traditions PHP pajamas, on. limited edition. All right. Let's continue on before I say anything else stupid. All right. So next thing I want to discuss is you should be decimated at the end of Q4. So 10% of your stuff should be gone? No. All of it. Oh, that's not decimated. What is decimated? Decimated is 10%. When, wait. You're a history guy. What? Okay. So the, de- you decimate the, the, term, the term decimate came from I'm the Romans. I'm looking this up. Would decimate the opposing army and they would go and they'd pull one out of every 10 men out of the line and kill them. You kill one in 10 was decimating. Okay. So that's one definition, right? Yeah, you're right. Killing one in every 10 of a group of soldiers as a punishment for the whole group. And then that, that term ended up over time changing into just like total destruction to decimate. Okay, that's the definition I was looking for. But the more clear, like the precise definition is 10% of your inventory should be gone. <laughs> this is like, hey, whatever happened to our Masterpiece Theater music? Like our level up review? It just went away. I, yeah, I know. To ask one day. I don't know. Let us know in the comments below. Should we bring it back? Should we bring back the uh, the the classical music for the intro for our level up reviews, or do you just like do you just like our uh, techno upbeat music? You know, what, what do you what do you vibe into? Let us know. It just hit me. Like, when did it end? It's been a while. Yeah, I just wanted to see if anybody would notice, and nobody did. I did notice. I just kept forgetting to ask you. Okay, so here's the thing. I used to, and you'll hear previous podcasts, I always say with our podcast, make sure what we're saying is relevant because it may be irrelevant a year or two away. But I've said in previous podcasts, like, hey, Q4 goes on to January. There is some truth to that. There are still people that have gift cards and people that still want to buy and so on. You can still make, I make a lot of money in January too. But don't have that as the end in mind. Have it that, hey, by the time December 20th, 21st, 22nd rolls around, you are completely obliterated of inventory. Like you have no more, no more. And I'm talking about Amazon, eBay. Obviously, if you have vintage stuff, it's going to stick around. Right. But even on eBay, listen, there's no better time to sell your stuff than Q4. Right. I know the clothing market is hot in April on eBay and March, and those are good months for used clothing. You know, I know that July is good for sandals and Hawaiian shirts and all that good stuff. But if people are wanting to buy in Q4, sell it all. Do not hold. This is one of the biggest mistakes I made my first four Q4s. And now I'm Q4 six is I would say, you know what? I want more money for this. I'm going to wait till January. No, make sure you're. Your Amazon, if you like it, you should have no, really no storage fees come January because you removed everything out of the warehouse because you sold it all. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Too yeah. much? No, I mean, I feel like we 
kind of said that pretty much all podcasts already is sell what you have and get rid of it. Yeah, do it. Just do it. All right. Hey, realize you have to spend money to make money. Q4. You you really do. Now, Mike might push back a little bit. I'm more of like scared money is no money. Like you you have to you have to you have to go all in. You have I, I that's my belief. You have to go all in. And I will tell you it's been scary for me. I've had moments where I've been tens of thousands of dollars in debt and I really felt that well, I guess I'm done with reselling. And then the first beautiful weeks of December hit and all that is gone. All my credit cards are paid back by the end of December and I have profit on top of that and my credit score rebounds. I know we did total money makeover. I know. Just saying that's what I do for Q4. But if it's, ca- if it's cash and you have the capital, if there's ever a time to roll into that capital, it's Q4 for me. I don't know where you, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, I'm more conservative on the sin in the, in the sense that I would say make wise decisions and yeah, you've got to spend money to make money, but I would say, don't be reckless about it. Don't think that because you spend money, you'll make money. There's there's very different, there's difference between those two things. And so I would say if you feel comfortable with going to like, your closest friend or relative and asking for their life savings to make the deal, it's probably a good deal, right? Like if you're like, Hey, I found this real estate deal. I need $20,000 to make it happen, but I've done all the, the, the research and I know this is going to pay off and I'm going to be able to pay back. And you're willing to do that. That means you've got a good deal. If you're like, uh, I don't know, then maybe you should I'm not saying don't spend money on like a product or go in on something, but don't go all in on everything just because you think everything's going to pay off, right? Like do your research, know, and, and you're going to be taking some risk, but you need to do a cost benefit analysis and realize what's the risk to, to reward ratio on this. And if this risk to reward ratio is I'm going to go $5,000 in debt, I'm going to put this purchase on my credit card and I'm really hoping that this pays off and it's all speculation. I think that's probably a bad idea. He's, he's talking about me right now, but <laughs> that that's the older one though. But I, I'm, I'm telling you last year, Every year, I, I this happens to me. Every year, except maybe the second year that I've done Q4, I walk away going, I should have spent more. I should have spent more. I should have spent more. Because the more you spend in Q4 on profitable items, the more profit you're going to make. That's just That's just the way it is. And everything we're seeing right now, right? Whether it's UPS hiring 100,000 people, whether it's the post office raising rates, whether it's retail experts saying that people are going to be buying for Christmas earlier, whether it's eBay even saying that there's going to be more sales earlier on for Q4. To me, I I always hate it when I end the Q4. I'm like, I should have bought more. Case in point, this one item that I'm hoping, you know, shows up on the scene again, it disappeared now, but you know, I, I made a good 10 K on it and 10 K net. That was great. But I, I was scared. I was scared. And I, I probably could have made 30 to 50K had I just got a van and just only sold that and drove through the entire state. Now, I also was trying to be wise because I was like, hey, what if this tanks? What if somebody gets on the listing? Da, 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 da. But man, if I could replay that, right? And we all say that, right? Yeah, hindsight's 2020, right? I mean, it's an old saying, but. If if something good is going like this summer was a was an example, right? This summer I bought an item, 
right? I sold 700 units of it. I made 60K. I mean, that's gross on it. I went nuts on this item. And the only reservation I have is I didn't have a bigger van in one of my stops. When I stopped into one town, if I had a bigger van, I probably would have made another 5K and I lost that 5K. But I have no regrets. All the traveling, all the time I spent was all worth it. And it allowed me to be set up for this Q4. Okay, and the last part here is no regrets. I've mentioned this. Except for that goes against what you just said. Is it really? Yeah, because I mean, your whole last point was uh, you regret not buying more and spending more money. This summer. No, no, last Q4. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're saying that the the to go into Q4 with no regrets... No, and Q4 with no regrets. Right. So, but, so when you say, so have no regrets, is that like, no matter what happens, don't regret it. You did the best you could? No, no. Hustle so much that there is no room left for you to say, I wish I did this. Okay. I I can get on board with that. I originally, when I saw it saying no regrets, I, I kind of was reading that as like, hey, you know, just. No regrets. If you if you win, you lose. No, no regrets. No, you know? no. Um, what I'm saying is, don't go. And 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 you you will disagree with me on this point. I'm a big fan in Q4. Like no family vacations, no get-togethers unless it's a must. I, I I'm I'm like, I if I could, I would spend every waking moment doing Q4. Now, obviously, I have kids. Obviously, I have like events to go to, and parties, but. There, there's this peak time, right, from Black Friday until the second week of December, where outside of going to church and outside of whatever family events I have to, if my kid's performing at something, that's all I'm doing is Q4. I am doing that. I'm recording our podcast. That is all I'm doing. I am not, you know, if somebody's like, hey, let's go grab dinner. I'm kind of like, eh, no, I, I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. Because literally there are moments in Q4 that you're making thousands thousands a day i'm not i'm not i'm not exaggerating you're making thousands a day right and so if you you know one day you're like i don't know about today i want to i want to go to the zoo and i want to spend eight hours at the zoo those eight hours you could be talking about you lost three to five k who who knows who knows and for me i I just I, i can't risk that but again that you would disagree with that yeah, I think I would, I would try and bring balance to that because that may be that may be right for you if that's the way you're wired and, and you're okay with that. Um, I would say, and this is me just pushing back on you on that. I'm um, okay with that though. Um, I would say on on, I I don't know if there's many people on their deathbed that think I regret not making more money at a certain point in my life as opposed to I regret not spending more time with this person or that person or right like so at the end of the day and and again like. I'm not saying don't work hard. Like I definitely think you should. And for me, a big part of it is like research, right? Like you should, you should know on, on the end, at the end of Q4, if you lost money on a product, it wasn't because you were being foolish is because you made the best decision you could possibly make given the information you had. And you're not going to regret that decision. And you went your, as hard as you could. But I also think you might end up regretting, Hey, I wish I would have spent a little bit more time with family and friends over the, the holidays for the, five years, 10 years of my life when I was reselling. Um, yeah, I made an extra $100,000 over the decade, but uh, I missed that time that I'll never get back, right? So regrets come in a lot of forms. And so you really got to yeah. find balance of what's right for you. And you might look back and say, um, I I do regret working that hard every Q4 for years and years and years and missing out potentially with family time or with 
you know, maybe some sanity or memories or whatever else it could be. So I'm not saying that like that that's going to happen to you if you work hard. Don't hear that at all. Um, I just, you've got to find the right balance for you. And so um, a lot of times I think people fall into the ditch of they become workaholics and they work so hard in their life and they lose relationships and other people in the name of relationships never work hard in their life and end up, end up not actually having good relationships because they're so indebted and basically a slave to their debt and a slave to, you know, money, Mm -hmm. stress and those things that they're not sleeping and they're stressed and they have strained relationships anyway. So you've got to find, I feel like a right balance where you're working as hard as you possibly can work without sacrificing other things that might be more valuable at that point, right? There's always going to be, it's like a tipping point. Like you need a certain amount of money and a certain amount of, of work ethic um, to be able to have the best relationships in life you can have. And after a certain point past that, you're not actually getting exponentially more gains. You might actually be losing quality of life. Um, so you got to find that point for you. No, I, you know, I, that's why I appreciate that we both do this podcast. Cause I, I think you're right. I don't No, Not even, I think you're right. You, that's right. If you listen to our Chris Voss level up review, that's right. means that I agree with him instead of just saying you may be right or you're right. And this, this is why I'm talking about, I'm specifically talking about this Q4 because this Q4 to me, I don't want to lose out on this opportunity. I don't know if, if everything is aligned the way it's aligned, I don't know if there's going to be another opportunity like this Q4. So this is why I'm going to do this. Now you've heard me in the previous Q4 podcast and the year before say the same thing. And I don't plan on going this hard for the rest of my life. I just know right now, right? I shifted from a nine to five and it's my third year full time. And I need to set up some kind of stable foundation so I can build more. I can get into real estate. I can do this. And and I need these moments of dirt where I'm just grinding and grinding and grinding so I can eventually have more time later on. So that's just my thoughts on it. But if this is going to be a Q5 and it's going to be that good, which again, we don't know, we don't know, but everything is telling, even though sometimes I'm wondering like, is, it, is this, are we in a fantasy world right now? I, I do, I do. But so far, so good. I mean, reselling has not stopped. eBay sales have not stopped. Amazon hasn't stopped. We're still chugging along and we're going right into Q4, which could be one of the best Q4s we've ever had in reselling. Hopefully this episode brought you value. Hopefully you're able to take actionable steps. And later on, it'd be awesome if you shared with us how you took some of these actionable steps and it helped you out. And maybe we could have in our reflection episode, kind of some of these comments that we bounce back and forth. You call us in, whatever it is, because we always have that reflection episode at the end of January. So with that being said, hope you have an incredibly, (laughs) I fumbled the ending. With that being said, hope you have an incredible Q4 and always be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Late. Peace.